Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. Welcome to another week. Thank you. And yet another listener question. Who would have believed it? Thank you so much for your listener questions. Yeah. We learn from them. You learn from them. The audience learns from them. It's great. Yeah. Everyone wins. Yeah. Um, Can I jump into this one? You ask this question. Okay. You read this question. So uh, this question comes from Megan. Megan, thank you for writing in. And Megan says, first of all, I love your podcast. Thank you, Megan. We're glad to hear that. Um, If you love our podcast, please take a second to leave a review. Um, so that other people can find us and learn to be financially literate so we can stop the podcast once the entire U.S. nation is financially literate. Yeah, I think we're close. Okay, so I have listened to your recent episodes, your episodes about life insurance and whether or not it's advisable to purchase a whole life policy. However, I'd be curious to hear what you think about a whole life policy that I bought about five years ago. It costs me a fixed $100 a month for a $100,000 policy. I'm 36 years old, single, and have no children. I would like to have a family one day, but I'm not sure if it makes sense to continue with a whole life policy at this time. Would it make more sense to continue with this policy given that it's not hurting me financially, or would it be better to collect the cash value $6,500 to contribute it to a small amount of remaining debt that I have and get a term life policy that will likely be much less expensive. If I do get a term life policy, how much would you recommend that I purchase? All right. So uh, kind of a spin on the question that it sounds like Megan on the episode Megan listened to. And by the way, Megan, thank you very much for that question. Yeah. And, and the spin is, okay, maybe I get it. That it makes sense not to go out and purchase a new one in a lot of cases, but what if I already have one? That's kind of the sense of, is there a point at which it becomes a sunk cost and it's just better to keep it or retain it than yeah. to, to ditch it and start over? Absolutely. So with this, there's a few things that we want to look at, of course. Mm-hmm. And I know, Scott, when you and I think about insurance, we think about it really just as insurance. Yes. When whole life is sold, it's typically sold as insurance and an investment. It's the best investment ever. And we want to kind That's of That's sarcasm. Show- I thought you were serious. Oh, just, make, just wow. making sure today was Mythbusters some snippet episode. ever comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get roasted. Um, I'll be sure to post that one. Uh, I'll give Scott. Yeah. But how do we think about this now? And so let's break it down because I think if we can break this down into the insurance component and the investment component, we can kind of start to see, does this make sense to keep because there's both benefits, insurance and investment, mm-hmm. versus what if you were to kind of like bifurcate that or just separate them into the investment and the insurance and do so separately? Could you come out ahead even if you've been paying into something for a little bit? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so let's why don't we let's look at what will um, how much would it cost roughly based on a n- number we ran? How much would it cost for Megan to have 
the exact same amount of coverage during the remaining working years of her life. Mm-hmm. Then let's look at what could she get for life insurance if she kept the price the same. And then maybe we can have a conversation around how do we figure out how much life insurance, if any, we want or need. I- exactly. Because I think that's the first, that sounds great. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of you before you're even done. I'm oh, so excited God. to answer. You're so excited. So excited. Okay, let's, let's dive in. Which one do you want to answer first? I want to reverse that a little bit because okay. the first question is, does Megan need insurance? Yes. And you can make the case for, for no, she does. And Unle- well, unless there's finan- someone financially dependent upon her, it appears in the way she worded this question that there's not. Right. On paper right now, the answer is no. No, there's no need for right? insurance. If if Megan passes, it's it's an extreme tragedy. And it, but unless someone's financially dependent upon Megan, there's not that need for life insurance, right? Because there's no one that would kind of go without after that. But then she says, like, maybe I'd like to have a family in my future, right? Which makes it a little. I don't want to say more complicated, but it adds an extra layer to this because there is there is something to be said. Okay, if you know you're going to have family and have children and need insurance in the future. There are cases where I've seen where people were insurable at one point and mm-hmm. stopped being insurable. Yes. There was maybe a health event, maybe something scary happened, and they no longer qualify for insurance. So they Agreed. say, I want to lock it in when I can, and I'm willing to, quote unquote, kind of waste some years of insurance not needing it if it means I can lock in having it. I'm, when I I'm need it. personally am on that side. Like, if, if you think you want to have kids in the future, if you think you're going to meet a significant other and you're going to have income, it's going to be helpful for the family. I'm all for buying inexpensive life insurance now when the cost and premium is low, building it into our cash flow. We don't even worry about it. Yep. If something does happen to you, good. Hopefully it doesn't, knock on wood. Um, there's a, a benefit to someone in your family that's helpful. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And and so then let's let's look at that of okay, maybe you purchase it before you technically need it. But yep. like you're saying, it just there's that peace of mind of okay, I've got it regardless of what happens. Yeah. Um, we ran a quote. Why don't, we, why don't we touch real quickly, since we've already touched on the fact that she technically doesn't need it now, but given that she um, she wants to have a family future, she probably needs some, how it's a good way for her to figure out how much she would should have. Yeah, it comes down to what what do you need to replace if you pass away? Yeah. If you are this, the sole breadwinner and the whole family is dependent upon you and you have a mortgage and you have children and there's a significant income that needs to be replaced, that's a huge amount of insurance might yeah. be needed because you might need a part of the insurance say to pay off the mortgage mm-hmm. you might need a part of the insurance to kind of think of it as like seed money for future college costs for right. the kids you need part of the money to live on today because that income's gone you need yeah. part of the money to invest for the future to replace retirement contributions so you know that's kind of the most extreme version of the most you might need right but you just look at it realistically. If Megan, God forbid, something happens to you, is there a surviving spouse that continues to work and meets the needs and pays the mortgage? If so, then you probably want a lesser amount to have some cash on hand yep. to go through that process. But you might not need a huge amount to do so. Yeah. So, and there's there's just to to add to what James is saying. I think he's already nailed it on the head. Human life value is like kind of the basic way to look at it, which is how much cash flow am I going to have in my lifetime. And then I basically add up all those cash flows. We put it by some discount rate, which is the computer, the functional help you do. And it'll say, hey, you're going to earn you know, $3 million in your lifetime. Well, you really just, you need like a million dollars of life insurance for the next 20 years. And you're like, yeah. great. 
that's what I'll go price. Yeah. So you can figure out what you need based on what your needs are. Yeah. And then if you have other people in, in the family who are going to add to income and you don't necessarily need to replace it all, you're probably going to need less. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fully agree. So kind of understanding the, do you need it? First question. Yeah. Assuming the answer is yes, either now or in the future. The second question is Scott's saying is calculating that need. Mm-hmm. which is a whole bunch of variables that you can base it on. But really, essentially, what, what would it cost to replace what income would be missing exactly. if you were gone? And then the third piece is what's the best way to go about getting that coverage? Is it this whole life policy that's 100 bucks a month for a $100,000 death benefit, or is it through some other method? So let's look at that now. Let's look at that. So we ran some quotes, and these quotes are based upon age, gender, health, Few right. other factors, Megan. We don't know anything about you besides, of course, your your name in this question. So, yes. what we looked at was female, thirty six years old, generally good health is what these quotes are based upon. Yep. So they're obviously going to differ a little bit, but what we wanted to see is how much would it cost to get a term life policy for a hundred thousand dollars for how long? We looked at thirty years. Yeah. So basically, we said you're going to work until you're sixty six. We just made the assumption. Yeah. So it just covers you out in your working years. Yep. With the assumption being at 66, you've probably done the saving and investing, have social security. You don't need that coverage anymore. Yeah. If you listen to all the other episodes, yeah. you're financially free. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need, <laughs> all you you don't do need life insurance anymore. Yeah, yeah exa- Exactly. Which is the, is the hope. Obviously, life insurance isn't something you need forever. You need it usually at the beginning of your life. Just to, to add to that for one little second, the whole reason we get insurance in the first place, guys, is that you're you're trying to cover your human capital. James right now has all this future potential income that he's going to make over his career. Eventually, he's going to make all of that money and he's going to save a portion of it to the point where his balance sheet, his savings is going to get so big, he doesn't have to work anymore. The moment he's there, he technically doesn't need life insurance anymore. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind. That's yeah. really the whole intent. They They should really call life insurance death insurance. Yep. It's basically like if you die while you're working, you need to have this. Yeah. Good branding to call it life insurance. Sounds a lot more positive. I think it would go up and yeah, you could sell it for more. (laughs) You call it death insurance. insurance. So at some point you don't need death insurance anymore. You don't need life insurance anymore. So we looked at a 30 year policy, which would say, Megan, you're covered for the next 30 years. Now, whether or not hundred thousand is enough, we'll we'll set that aside for a second, but how do you replace the coverage? But we can compare have? it now. We can just kind of kind of compare it apples to apples. We can compare policy. And it was fourteen bucks a month. Fourteen dollars a month versus a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. Now the difference is with the whole life policy, in thirty one years, Megan still has a hundred thousand dollars of coverage. Right. With the term life policy, Megan has zero dollars of coverage in thirty one years. Right. But if you are paying fourteen dollars a month instead of a hundred dollars a month, you might be able to do something with that difference. Let's say you took that extra $86 a month and you just invested it. Yeah. For 30 years. Yeah. I like that. What do you think that would be worth at like a decent rate of return in 30 years? I, I hope close to at least $100,000. It sure is. We did the, we wow. did the calculation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think you, you used what? 7% rate of return or so? Yeah. I did. Which is, you know, we're just using that. I think that's a very reasonable. Trying to use a reasonable rate of return. Growth rate to assume, which means your insurance is done after 30 years, but you now have the equivalent value and investment account. policy. Yeah. Which is something that would pass on to beneficiaries if you died, or it's something that you could use while you're alive. Absolutely. So better than 
that life insurance right. would be at that point. So that's one way of looking at it is how do you replace the coverage? We looked at it from the other standpoint of what if that coverage isn't enough? How much could that premium of $100 a month buy you in coverage right. if you got term life instead? And mm-hmm. Do you remember what that looked like? Yes. Uh, it was $102 a month was the quote we ran, mm-hmm. but it gave you a million and a half of coverage for 30 years. Yeah. Which is a whole lot more coverage than the current policy is providing. Yes. And that's not that, that that's not abnormal compared to what we see is these whole life policies, they just cost a lot more. And so you're not getting as much bang for your buck. For every dollar that you're putting in, you're not maximizing the amount that you could get in coverage. Right. Now, does Megan need a hundred and or one point five million dollars of coverage? I don't know. I would guess almost certainly if there's a family in the future and you're you're the primary breadwinner, a hundred thousand is almost certainly not enough. Yeah. So maybe it's somewhere in between. Maybe it is the 1.5 million. Maybe it's more. Yeah. But to me, and again, this is definitely not feedback, but I'm inclined to say there's a lot more details I'd want to know before giving a recommendation. Yes. But just generally speaking, if you have some debts and you're you're paying interest on those debts and you've got some cash value in your existing policy and your existing policy could be canceled and you could start fresh with something that provides more coverage or provides more flexibility to invest. I'm probably leaning towards something like that Mm -hmm. to wipe out some of the debts and start building something that has a lot more impact. I feel similarly. The caveat I would add um, uh, in Megan's instance is not as big of a deal because if you don't have anyone that you have to leave money behind for, it doesn't matter the sequence of events. But if I had like with if this was my situation and I had our little ones and Amanda at home to care for, I would want to make sure I have a new term policy in place mm-hmm. before I cancel my old policy. Yeah, no gaps. No gaps. And another thing I could do as I'm getting my quotes is I could also go and get quotes for the amount of coverage that I need from other providers. But I might also reach out to my current provider as well and ask if they could, um, if I could convert this whole life policy into a paid up term policy. Mm-hmm. So I might know that I need X number of dollars of my sixty five hundred back, but I might, if I know that I only need, you know, I don't know what the number is, two grand to buy the amount of paid up coverage that I need for the next thirty years, and I can just buy that for them directly and still cash out my old policy and get some of those funds back, that might be a nice way to do it as well. Totally. I would just compare policies of my current provider to other providers and see where can I get the best price. Yeah. Um, We haven't touched on it too much, but you want to make sure when you buy insurance from an insurance provider that they are a high quality insurance provider, meaning they're going to be in business in 30 years. Seems important. You're you're paying them money every single month to make sure that they send you money when you need it. And they're poorly run, they may not have those funds for you in the future. Yeah. Um, so make sure it's a high quality provider. Yeah. And then the third thing I would just add to that is before just going and kind of blindly pulling out all that cash value, you do want to see what would the tax impact of that be. So there's going to be something called the cost basis, which is when you're putting that hundred bucks a month in, some of that's going to the cost of insurance. Some of that's going to the investment value in the whole life policy. I'm looking at these numbers and my guess is there would be little to no tax impact for this. But if you've had a policy for years and years and years and you've been paying into it, 
that cash value has grown to more than what you put in, and there would be a taxable event to mm-hmm. pull it all out. It doesn't look like that amount would be significant, if anything, here. But I would say to Megan, you know, go to the insurance company, see if you were to pull that full m- amount out, how much of it, if anything, would be taxable, just to understand what that might be. Right. But that might be neglig- or negligible in this example. Exactly. Cool. Well, I think that's uh, that's a good look at it. Anything else that you would add, though? No, just um, thanks again for your question. Uh, yeah. We really appreciate them. And, and please keep them coming, audience at large. Um, yes. Because we, we love helping you guys. Yes, we love it. It's the highlight of everything you do, I think, right? Every other Getting Monday. Get into podcasts with me. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. I look forward to this. <laughs> jo- you're joking, but I do look forward to it. I look forward to it, too. Out, I'm not joking. Out, James. It's just fun to... He just makes me... He, may, he reminds me I need to do more push-ups every time I see him. Well, that's, uh, that's why I'm here. <laughs> this financial <laughs> podcast is the secondary benefit. That's right. All right. Well, thank you, Megan. And thank you for everyone that listens. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for us to answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.